Lesson one, basic hip. Welcome to the jazz session. I'm Jason Crane. The jazz session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free in iTunes and at thejazzsession.com, where you'll also find the mailing list, the Facebook group, the Twitter feed. Amazon links to help you uh, not only purchase the music you hear on the show, but also to support the show because a little bit of the purchase price comes back. And you'll find a donate button if you'd like to give directly and help keep the jazz session going. The show is free, but uh, certainly welcome your contributions if you can find your way to sending a little my way. My guest today is vibraphonist Joe Locke. I think I first met Joe about a decade ago when I was uh, working at a jazz station in Rochester, New York, Jazz 90.1. Joe is uh, from Rochester and uh, would come back fairly frequently to play, and particularly in the uh, in the early years, and I assume still now, but certainly in the early years of the, the Rochester International Jazz Festival, which was getting underway at that same time. Joe was a, a frequent both uh, headline act and guest uh, with other acts who played at the festival. And in the intervening years, uh, I've interviewed Joe quite a number of times on the radio, although this is the first time on this program, and uh, had some, some long conversations over sushi about uh, life and music and uh, just you know really grown to, uh, to like him and admire him uh, as, a, as a musician and a person. And uh, I think you'll hear why on his new record, uh, For the Love of You, which uh, continues his exploration of music, uh, some music from films and also music of his own composition and uh, setting for vocalists. And it begins uh, this way with the tune, Two for the Road. Precious memories Selecting souvenirs And living life The way we please In summertime The sun will shine In the winter we'll drink summer wine And every day that you are mine Will be a lovely day As long as love still wears a smile 
My guest is vibraphonist and composer Joe Locke. His uh, newest CD is called For the Love of You, uh, and like everything else he's ever done, I'm a big fan of it, and it's great to have you uh, on the show, Joe. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Jason. It's good to hear you. It's good to hear your voice again, man. We haven't talked in a, on quite a while. Yeah, man. it's been a couple of years now. It's great to talk again. Let's uh, let's just start by telling people about the, the genesis of this project. Maybe we can go all the way back um, to uh, Kenny Washington, who uh, who sings on this record, and, and how you met him, which is almost like one of those fairy tale jazz stories, it seems like. Will you tell folks about that? It's... Um it's really interesting, man. I, I, um, there's a venue in California, uh, in the Bay Area that I like to play at called the Bach Dancing and Dynamite Society. And the venue is beautiful. It's on the ocean. Pete Douglas, who's the owner of it, has uh, been doing this for 40, 45 years. And, uh, it's a, it's a place with a lot of history, a lot of great spirits. And I, I used to go out there and play and I got to love it so much that I would, I started to, um, on occasion, take like uh, my holidays there. You know, once in a while, I'd go out and just ask Pete if I could, I could go out and hang and, you know, walk on the beach and sit at the Steinway Grand Piano and write. You know, I was out there uh, a few years ago, and on a Sunday afternoon, I said, "Oh, let me see who's playing," and I walked into the venue and uh, the saxophonist Michael O'Neill, who, who's a f- fine saxophonist and arranger in the Bay Area was playing with his band and there was a vocalist that was Kenny Washington. And when I walked in, he was singing my ship by Kurt Vile. And I mean, man, it was one of those DNA arranging, you know, kind of experiences, Jason. It was, uh, I just, I just really, I fell in love with this cat's voice. Uh, I met him. I said to myself, when I heard him sing that song, I said, I want to work with this cat. You know, so, you know, I hope to get a chance to work with him. I met him. He was a very nice man. Fate kind of stepped in. Um, I was talking to Todd Barkin of Dizzy's Club Coca-Cola here in New York, and we were talking about resurrecting my Mancini project. I had done a record um, 14, 15 years earlier called Moment to Moment, the music of Henry Mancini, and we were talking about um, doing that project at Dizzy's. And I'm, I said to Todd, I said, man, you know, all those Mancini songs have lyrics. And I just heard an incredible vocalist on the West Coast, why don't we plug the lyrics to all those wonderful songs? And we got Kenny, he came in and did the Mancini Project with us and just, you know, knocked it out of the park. So that was the beginning of the project, man. Um, We did it. um, The amazing thing, Jason, about Kenny, too, was those arrangements were not written with a vocalist in mind. And some of them, you know, are pretty challenging arrangements. And... Yeah, Kenny didn't even ask me to change the key on one song. He he just like stepped in and plugged himself into the existing arrangements, and it was almost like they were written for him. I mean, he was he's that, you know, he's got the range, he's got the you know, he's got the his craft is at such high level that we didn't have to have to tweak the uh, the existing arrangements a lot to make it work. And it was a great week at Dizzy's. We did it the next year, and we. 
expanded it to the music of Johnny Mandel, uh, Henio Morricone, a film composers, uh, expand, uh, expanding it beyond just Mancini and other film composers. And that was a great, you know, that was a great engagement at Disease. And then we, we, um, I think that's when Chuck Mitchell from E1 stepped in and said he wanted to record the project. And then we were able to expand it further to include some originals, some, uh, and some stuff from the pop lexicon, you know, the pop and rock lexicon. We do a Neil Young tune, we do an Isley Brothers tune, and some originals. And that's sort of like, um, the, the, uh, history of the, of the project and what brought us to where we are now. Something in your eyes I see Soon begins bewitching me It's that old devil moon That you stole from the skies It's that old devil moon In your eyes You and your glance Make this romance Too hot to handle Stars in the night Blazing their lights Can't hold a candle To your razzle-dazzle Got me flying high and wide On a magic carpet ride Full of butterflies inside Wanna cry, wanna cry Wanna laugh like a loon It's that old devil Just when I think I'm free as a dove, old devil moves deep in your eyes. You've obviously got a, a substantial history of working with uh, singers on your records, and one thing I really like about your approach to incorporating a vocalist is that you uh, you seem to really integrate them into the band. I mean, it would be easy for the singer to be you know, out front, which is kind of the natural place for the singer to be. And you seem to have a way of making the vocals just part of the overall ensemble. Is that a, a conscious a choice in the way that you approach working with a vocalist? I'm glad to hear you say that, man. I, um, I, I think the thing about this particular project is, um, is that, that Kenny really is part of the band and inside the band. It's not a singer, um, with uh, an accompanying rhythm section, um, it's really, it's really he's he's um, he's a member of the band, and especially if, if you see the group live, it's um, it's very much he's uh, very much integrated into the band, as if almost he was a horn soloist in the band, or he was a uh, you know he's uh, I mean he's a music, he's a jazz musician man, and he knows how to how, how to fit into a context which isn't just that kind of corny thing of a, a singer and and accompanying musicians, you know? And was it hearing something like that when you first heard him that let you know that he'd be able to do that in your music? Well, it's funny. I, I heard him on the, the afternoon I heard him uh, in California. He also did something like, um, I forget exactly what the tune was. I want to say maybe it was Little Niles by Randy Weston, or maybe it was a line 
sort of like free, like a freedom jazz dance ish line where he really was he was playing as a foil to the tenor player and he was he, he was functioning as a wordless vocalist and doing this vocalese stuff which I don't want to call scat singing because it's it's beyond that you know singing intervallic things um that I said to myself oh this cat you know could fit into 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 anything that you want to do but um as I said before, Jason, I'm really, I mean, that's the biggest compliment I could get about the band is that, is that he's integrated into what's going on musically and not just singer and accompanist. The uh, the rest of the band uh, is definitely uh, not a collection of slouches either. It was obviously uh, a good day schedule-wise. Will you talk about who else is in this great group? Oh, I mean, to, to me, it's, it's a collection of my favorite musicians. The bassist is George Moraz. I mean... Um, you know, if you talk to the great bass players in, in the world, you know, and ask them who their favorite bass player is, I mean, he comes up, you know, at, at least the top three in the conversation. And he's just, uh, I remember hearing George, I mean, with, so with Tommy Flanagan, then turning around and hearing him with, you know, Billy Hart and John Schofield and Michael Brecker, or hearing him with, uh, oh, with Quest, with Dave Liebman's band. And then hearing him with Hank Jones, and then hearing him you know, with Joe Henderson. So just a completely constant musician. And I actually love to hear him in this context, because uh, cause he's capable of uh, actually of doing anything and making it feel good and sound great with that great intonation and great sound. So George is the bass player. Uh, the pianist, as you know, is my partner in crime for years and years, Jeffrey Keezer. And um, I, I mean, I think uh, Keezer, I don't have enough adjectives to describe um, you know what I think of him. I mean, just a absolute genius and someone who also um, um, musician for whom making the music feel good is paramount. With all the intellect, with all the intellect he has and all the knowledge he has to bring to the table, um, he always, uh, always the prime directive for for him is making the music feel good, and um, I think that's what really sets him apart. And the drummer is Clarence Penn. And Clarence Penn is just, uh, you know, he's, you know, wow. I mean, he's, um, I haven't thought about this, um, for a while, Jason, but I, I think as I describe it to you, I feel like for this particular music, you know, for doing everything from Old Devil Moon, something that really has to, has to swing hard to the Isley Brothers tune, to an, uh, you had to a ballad by Neil Young to, to Cinema Paradiso by Ennio Morricone. There's, that's a lot of range there and a lot of different kind of approaches. These guys manage to, to make it all feel natural and that we're, we're not dipping into different wells, but that it's all coming out of the same well. Do you know what I mean? It's like there's, there's, they're able to, to make all those disparate kind of elements feel like they belong together, um, and that's what I love about. I, I think it's it's kind of the the perfect band to pull that off. I hope I'm expressing myself well. I think so, and, and I guess there's there's two things I'd like to respond to in that. One is uh, Clarence Penn in particular. Um, I've seen Clarence many times in many different settings, and often playing you know some sort of kind of constructed drum set that is made up of various percussion instruments and a you know a yeah. ride cymbal and maybe a snare and maybe not and uh, one thing that that struck me is uh, him uh, about him as being a perfect choice for this record was that 
all of his playing, even when he's playing at his kind of fastest and busiest, seems to have a lot of space. He, he doesn't seem to fill up kind of all the all the space in between the other instruments as it is really possible for someone playing you know, that many different surfaces at once to do. He seems to have a really great ear for space. And I wonder if, um, especially given the number of percussion instruments in this band that you have, uh, I wonder if that's a particularly useful quality to have in a drummer. It really is. I think the thing about Clarence, that I've known him for years, for a couple of decades, but it's, but it's not until the past few years I've had the opportunity to work with him more. And I think exactly what you said is true and also, um, what's your, I think what we're hearing too when we hear him play is someone who really knows, he knows who he is and, and he, he has, he plays with a self, he's really serving the music. He's really serving the music. He's not playing because his, he needs to, you know, to put his ego forth. He's, he's playing for the music. Um, and that's a really powerful thing. He brings that to the table, and it's a it's a beautiful thing to uh, uh, to be around. Um, he uh, and he's, as you said, you know, his sense of space is beautiful, and um, he does what's called for on each given piece. And he's a beautiful orchestrator. Sometimes, like my favorite drummers, he's playing. He thinks about colors. He thinks about playing colors, and sometimes he stays off the drums completely, and he's dealing with chimes and cymbals, you know, for large, you know, parts of the time. And then when when it comes to like some deep swing, he's able to bring that totally to bear. Um, there's a song on the record called uh, "I Miss New York When I've Been Gone Too Long." That's an original tune. It's just a real swing and tune. And he's got that kind of triplety elven thing, and it's swinging, and it's really in the pocket. And and um, so when that's it's time to do that, he really brings it. And when it's time to orchestrate and play sensitive and play colors, man, he just does that with this innate, you know, sense of beauty and uh, what's appropriate in the moment, you know.
I, I really hear you. And the, the other thing I wanted to react to uh, uh, that you said earlier, a few minutes ago, you commented on the members of the band and their ability to uh, kind of blend all these uh, these different musics, musics from different places on the spectrum into this one cohesive sound. And to me, uh, that has a lot to do you know, with you and your arranging. And uh, I wonder, do you feel like you've kind of arrived at a place where you have... I don't know, some comfort level with your identity as an arranger and a composer, and you feel like, I've, I've got some kind of a Joe Locke th- uh, conception <laughs> that I can bring to whatever it is, you know, that I'm playing. Well, man, it's, it's, I feel like, I feel like I, I constantly, I, I, I'm constantly trying to, I, I, I don't want to become complacent, and I'm constantly trying to find something, a new way to look at something but i feel that I, I i have to admit for better or for worse at this point i've come up with i i think i've um at this point i probably have a, a, a sort of identity like an identifiable identity um and a, a lot of times that probably has to do with like the harmonic the rhythm of a of a piece and and the choice of voicings like you could probably uh, sit down and, and go this is a this is a voicing that Joe likes to use. This is a voicing Joe uses. He combines these voicings in this way. And and a lot of times, you know, over the years, it's just been kind of mixing and matching what I know with all the limitations, you know, <laughs> um, that are part of it and trying to create something new out of those, out of those, you know, techniques and voicings and, and rhythms that I have to have as part of my... I, I guess it's like having a palette um, that I'm able to able to dip into now having said that man i've got some awesome friends man who put me to shame you know i think of myself as uh i think more if i'm honest i think of myself of course i write i compose i'll put it this way jason i compose but i think of myself really more as as a songwriter and arranger as opposed to as opposed to someone like uh i, I just got off the road with tim garland uh, the great saxophonist and arranger and composer I was I was out with a trio called Storms Nocturnes. It's a chamber trio with Jeff Keezer and and Tim, and I consider Tim Garland a composer, uh, you know, <laughs> and I consider myself a, a songwriter. <laughs> but but I would hope that that when it comes to doing an original song, it has a it has an, an honest stamp that you can hear my identity in it. And I think that when I do an arrangement of of uh, uh, someone else's work, it's it has a freshness to it that that um, that maybe you know hopefully only I'm the only person who would have come up with that particular way of looking at that song. Um, you know, I think I think on the new record, the the arrangement of Johnny Mandel's "The Shadow of Your Smile" is sort of a unique way of looking at the at that song. You know. That's not an, an aesthetic kind of judgment as to whether it's 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 someone's favorite, but it's a definitely a, a different way of looking at that that piece of Johnny Mandel's, um, you know. So, um, and it's fun for me. I always like to do you know songs I like and give them and give them a, a twist as long as it doesn't get too far away from what you know I consider the intent of the song. <laughs> Shadow of your smile 
color on my dreams And light the dawn Look into my eyes, my love And see all the lovely things Wistful little star was far too high. A teardrop kissed your lips, and so did I. Now, when I remember spring and all the joy that love. I've uh, I've seen you many times over the last ten years since the first time I saw you, which I think was in about two thousand or so. And um, one thing that is always a part of one of your shows is um, I, I, just a lot of a lot of energy and direct communication with the audience in a way that I think is well, it's always dangerous to generalize, but I'll say in a way that I think is less common in jazz than in other kinds of music. Like it's much more common, I think, in rock and R and B and kind of the pop world. This like direct kind of performance aspect that really connects with the audience and i wonder did you did you listen to a lot of rock music or r&b or something growing up and kind of internalize some of that that performance aspect into what you do i'm wondering i just have to ask you jason is it are you talking about speaking to the audience like verbally or are you talking about the way like the physicality of the performance no definitely the physicality of the performance and the fact that there's a there's a real focus on on kind of rhythmic drive, and not at the expense of the music. I mean, where it's appropriate, but there's definitely a lot of just physicality in the performance. And you really seem to, I mean, you you look at the audience sometimes when you play. You just you just have a real connection that's that's very obvious, and that uh, that I would connect much more with like the front man, you know, who's singing in a rock band than necessarily uh, the vibes player in a jazz group. And it's one of the things I like most about your performances. It's really funny, man. I think I think that um, I, I think um, I grew up listening to you know I'm a product of what I grew up listening to, and I grew up listening to everything from like a lot of a lot of R and B and rock music, and then a lot of um, you know just all kinds of stuff, all kinds of stuff. And I and I but I think that I kind of wonder sometimes. I think it's a very physical instrument, and I think that the way I play and the, and the language that I'm trying to get out. The, the language I'm trying to express uh, can sometimes be very dense, and I think sometimes it just it, there's a, a lot of physicality in trying to get that out, and so that that's one aspect of what maybe people see when they see this physicality. I think the other aspect is, man, I like to dance, and then I feel because I used to go when I was a kid. I, <laughs> it's funny you bring up some very interesting questions, man, and I haven't I haven't. Uh, you know, and here we are now doing it on a live interview, and I'm kind of uh, feel like I'm on the therapist, you know, couch. But you know, <laughs> in a in a good way, I never thought of this until now. But that I like to dance, and I feel the rhythm like moving in my body as I'm as I'm I'm playing, I'm performing, and especially you know, you're playing with the great rhythm section, and and the rhythm is moving you. You know, I think maybe in some way it brings me back to these like house parties we used to have in Rochester when I was growing up. And 
we used to like just like you know rock it all night long like with like the Ohio players and the Isleys and I remember dancing to like you know when uh, Herbie Hancock's Headhunters came out and dancing to Chameleon and there was a friend of mine had a had a place had a house and it's like the whole house was was shaking you know with just with just people like all feeling the rhythm together and maybe that's kind of you know in there you know and I don't I don't feel like whether it's jazz or rock and roll or whatever it is I mean how we feel rhythm I mean I wouldn't play you know if I I'm a jazz musician but I want to feel like that that sense of that sense of deep you know primal rhythm you know in your body kind of thing like I used to when I was you know when I was dancing to the Ohio players <laughs> you know what I mean so it's <laughs> Does that make any sense? Man? It works for me, like, man. <laughs> I feel that physicality, man. You know, I I always. It's not a matter of wanting it to be a part of of the music. It just it just is, you know. And I and I think that um, people sometimes say, "Oh, you're such a showman," and that's the last thing I think about. Jason is, you know, is the is that is it anything? Because any of the stuff that I do, it just if you know me, you know what you do. You know, it's just. Um, who I am as a person, you know, just coming out and not like a um, a premeditated thing. Okay, now I'm going to put on a show for the audience. It's just when the music starts starts feeling good and you're and you're there and present with the musicians and the audience. Um, it just that's just like where it goes, man. And I'm I'm real, you know, happy happy it does because it's it's joyful when that happens, you know. Sure. Uh, fi- finally, Joe, um, this is one thing I, I've learned about you. It's that you are uh, you're seldom kicking up your heels anywhere. So uh, give us a give us an idea of uh, the things that you're involved in. You, you just mentioned the Storms Nocturnes tour, and oh, uh, what else is on the horizon? Yeah, we just got back from Storms Nocturnes in Germany and England, and I did some teaching. I'm I'm on the faculty of the Royal Academy of Music in London as a visiting professor. So when I pass through. Oh, and I'm on my way to Europe or back. I'll, I'll do some teaching at the, at the Royal Academy, which was really fun working with the, you know, the percussion students there. And I'm, and I'm, I'm in for a minute and, um, getting ready to gear up to, to take the Force of Four Quartet, which is my working quartet with, um, with Robert Rodriguez on piano, Ricardo Rodriguez on bass, and Jonathan Blake on drums. And, um, actually for this tour and for some, oh, some upcoming dates, it's going to be Terry on Gully, you know, playing drums, and we're going to Italy, to Switzerland, and then coming back to the States and playing Chicago, and um, that's happening. I'm going to Germany, and I'm doing some. I'm doing a duo concert. I'm very much you're know, looking forward to with Edmar Castaneda, um, and a concert with Kate McGarry and Keith Gantz and Clarence Penn, doing her music. And uh, let's see, I have a record coming out that's a that's a chamber trio with Dado Moroni and Rosario Giuliani. So we're doing um, some concerts in Italy um, in the summer. And bada bing, bada boom, it just keeps going, man. And I'm I'm real I'm real happy. I'm continuing to work with Trio de Paz. We're going to be at Dizzy's for two weeks in the summer. And we just got back from from out west. And uh, man, you know, I'm just uh, I'm really uh, I feel I feel like a lucky guy, man. Well, that's fantastic. I'm really, uh, really happy for you and uh, enjoying this record uh, immensely. And uh, thank you for the time. My guest is Joe Locke. The new album is called For the Love of You. And uh, while you're picking this one up, uh, just get everything else he's ever released because uh, they're all <laughs> they're nice all, all worth listening to. <laughs> that's nice of you, Jason. Thank you so much, man. Thanks, brother. It's great to hear your voice again and uh, see you down the road, man. Thanks, man. Take care, Joe. 
That's music from vibraphonist Joe Locke and his new CD, For the Love of You. I'm Jason Crane. This is The Jazz Session, presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free at TheJazzSession.com and in iTunes. I hope you'll visit thejazzsession.com because in addition to uh, links to all the artists' websites and, in fact, a a complete archive of all the shows, you'll also find Amazon.com links, and if you uh, click on those and buy uh, the artist's music uh, through those links, you'll send a little bit of the purchase price uh, back to the Jazz Session, which I appreciate. You'll also find a Donate button over on the left-hand navigation bar, and that will allow you to donate directly and securely using PayPal to the show. And uh, you'll find a host of links to things like the Jazz Sessions Facebook group and Twitter feed and mailing list, all of which can help keep you in touch with what's happening on the show and uh, get you in when there are CD giveaways and so on. My thanks to the members of the Respect Sextet. They recorded the theme music for this show, and they are online at respectsextet.com. They're performing all over the East Coast these days, so uh, please do visit respectsextet.com and see if they're coming to your area. And if they are, go out and see them because it is well worth it. Thanks also to Dave Vrabel, who designed the Jazz Sessions logo. Please do go out and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and then come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.